So, this morning I would like to talk to you. You know, it's very interesting that um, the songs that have been chosen, the prophetic word, Greg's message last week about God wanting to pour out new wine, to do things new in our lives, that God has a higher place for you and I to go to. My message this morning is basically called the paths, uh, God's paths to greatness. See, God wants 2021 for you to be a year of greatness. Now, greatness is a very interesting term when we say greatness. Is it that you will be put on a platform and everybody else around you will bend their knee and say, wow, you're so great. That's not the greatness I'm talking about. I'm talking about greatness as in living life in the destiny and plan that God has designed for your life, that at the end of your life, at maybe even the end of uh, this year, that there'll be a sense of the greatness of God and the greatness of you succeeding through this year and achieving whatever God has for you. Anybody interested in that this morning? Or would we all like to, I'll give you a message instead on failure, that God wants you to fail in 2021, that he just wants you to cower and bend. No, of course he doesn't. He is designed your life to succeed and to be a great life. And I'm keen on a great life. Woo. So, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 3, uh, John 14 verse 6, sorry, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was basically saying when he came to the planet, he said, friends, I am like a pathway or a highway to the true meaning of life. He came, he uh, described particular things and thoughts and ways that were good and ways that maybe you should avoid. And he said, basically, I'm a pathway to life. And hence the message, God has a pathway, a way for you to achieve whatever you have or he has for you in 2021. I almost said 2012. It's a long time ago. That's what happens when you, you get a bit older. Okay, what are his pathways for your life? The first thing is really no revelation. Um, in fact, it's really a pathway to success in whatever you do. It is in the Bible, it is biblical, but it's also applied outside of the kingdom. And that is a thing called hard work. Working hard at something. God designed you to work. When he put Adam in the garden, he didn't say, Adam, chill back, you know, grab a, I was going to say stubby, but maybe grab a Coke, lean back, I'm going to turn it all on for you, and life is going to be sweet. No, he designed a garden for Adam to work in and to bring that garden to its fullness of what it could produce. And that was actually a paradise. But in paradise, there was also this thing called hard work. So if you are a Christian or you are not a Christian, if you think that you can just chill out and it'll all happen for you, I'm afraid you are probably going to be very, very disappointed. So work is something important. Can I have an amen? Amen. Work is the effort or the energy you put into something that you know you're going to receive a reward from. So basically, God has a path that he wants you to use energy on, to apply yourself to, to focus on, put energy into, not chill out, not think, hey, Christianity is a garden of roses, but rather, 
you know, work at it. Put some work into it. Ever heard the saying, so step one is put some hard work in. That's not my message, but, you know, it's pretty logical. Step one, hard work. Step two is work smart. Work smart. You know the saying, work smart? Because there's a whole lot of people who put a whole lot of energy into a whole lot of things, but they fail. And often they fail because they've put hard work into something where they have been giving information or they're using methods that really are not going to lead to success but lead to fail. So it doesn't matter that you work hard. If your information is wrong, you're going to fail. So working smart is working with the right information and the right methods in order to achieve the goal that God has for your life. You with me? So, working hard, but working smart. Um, Colossians chapter 3. No, I won't use that scripture. Sorry, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4, because I never gave it to the guys there. Proverbs 10 4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So here's the principle. Proverbs, written by the smartest cat in the world back then, a guy named Solomon, said that if you're going to be lazy, you ain't going to produce much, but if you're going to work hard, you're going to create the means or the channel to prosper, right? We with that? Um, Don't be lazy as a Christian. The Bible says if you don't eat, uh, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Pretty harsh. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat, but you know, there is something about work, something about being lazy. Um, Hosea 4, 6a says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people, he's talking to the people of God. Hosea was a prophet sent to the nation of Israel who was failing miserably. And God prophesied through him that his people were being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, Right? The word destroyed basically means to fail or to fail to achieve uh, whatever you're trying to work at. So God was saying that they did not have the knowledge they needed, and because they didn't have the knowledge they needed, they were putting themselves in the position of failure. So here's the thing for you. What knowledge are you applying in your life if you have if you are working hard or trying to put effort into, what's your knowledge base? Where are you getting your knowledge from? Because the children of Israel there had a knowledge base, but it wasn't God's knowledge base. They were using the ideas and the ways of other gods and other cultures, and they were failing miserably because they were not using the right information. They didn't have the right knowledge. They were not working smart. You with me? You've got to work smart. If you are a Christian, God has supplied you with the ability to work smart. Are you working smart? I've been doing this pastor thing for quite a while. And we deal with challenges in people's lives sometimes. And often, you know, the problem has been... Maybe not that they're trying to put effort into whatever they're trying to achieve in their lives. Maybe their marriage, maybe their relationships with other people, maybe their finances, is they are working using the wrong knowledge. And they are failing for it, failing because of it. I know in my life, 
I've been going through a transition of getting rid of the wrong information and locking on to the right information in order for me to live a life of success and greatness in my marriage early on. Uh, I was applying principles that were really dumb and stupid, but I didn't know. But as any amens, a few wives say, man, I wish my husband could hear this. You know, you young couples, we're putting this special thing on Tuesday nights, fortnightly for you, because we don't want you to have the wrong information in your marriages. We want you to have the right information so that your marriages will be the best and the greatest they can possibly be. A lot of marriages are failing because people are applying wrong understanding. You're with me. God wants success. And I know for me and Pekka, you know, as I've been able to give her the right information, tell her how to, no, no. As I have applied the right information, the right knowledge, my, my marriage has not been destroyed, but rather has been on a path of success. Amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen. Are you awake? Yes. Good. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, that's kind of interesting. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Remember the way? Jesus is the way. So Jesus and the way is not the way of the human way. His ways are not those ways. That's another way. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. When you see that word declare, it is like from the throne room of God, God has pronounced something that is incredibly amazing. So he is declaring to creation, he is declaring to mankind, he is declaring to you if you are a believer, he's saying, friend, don't live in the trap of your thoughts and your ways, rather come to the place that is higher, a higher way, the way that achieved creation, the way that put the stars in the universe, because his design for you is not failure, is not misery, is not you know, to be trapped, but to have success. He is the best dad around. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're freaking you out, Chris? Hope so. I'm working hard at it, brother. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do you believe it? Do you really? Is it really, really a reality in your life? Are you really living life with the revelation that, you know what, I'm dumber than God. God is smarter than me. And I recognize you're smarter and because you're smarter, I'm going to take you away. Because that's not often the case. Often the case is we very easily fall into the trap of our own thoughts and our own ways. But it's going to change today. Hopefully. We've been looking at the book of James. The book of James is written about a thing 
called faith. Basically, it's built around the principle of faith, what it is, what it isn't, how you do it, how you don't. It's a great book written by the Lord's brother. And um, what is faith? Again, it's your lucky day. I'm going to give you the definition of what faith is, and I want it to be imprinted in your mind because you're going to hear it a bit. It is the inner conviction that God is good. An inner conviction that God is good. That his promises are true. And that he wants the best for your life. God wants the best for your life. He is good. He doesn't be good one day and bad the other. He's consistent. He is, in fact, good probably doesn't really describe the character and nature of God. He's amazing. But faith is a conviction no matter what. God is good. God is good. Doesn't matter what's happening around me. Even if the Victorian government do what they're going to do. God is good. God is good. Even when you are going through a hard time, God is good. God is good. Because you have an inner conviction that God is good. You don't believe what you see. Because you're a person of faith. You don't walk by sight, but by faith. God's path. Work hard at what? Work hard, but work smart. Use knowledge that is from a higher mind because your conviction tells you that no matter what goes on, no matter what choices you face, God's ways are higher. That's my inner conviction. That's my faith statement in my life. And I will follow his ways. Faith. I want you to turn to James chapter 4 or watch the thing up there. James chapter 4, because this is an incredible step. There are two steps found in this scripture, this aspect of James, and another one I'm going to give you, about the pathway that is God's way, that is not the way of the world, that is a higher way, that's not the path of self-indulgence and selfishness. It is the kingdom principle of how you can find success in 2021. Via hard work, via faith. The inner conviction that this is true. James 4, 6 through to 8, New King James says, but he gives more grace. God gives more grace. God wants to pour more grace wherever you're at right now. Grace is not one portion then you live life through it. Grace is this incredible reservoir or sea or ocean of the wonder and favour and forgiveness and acceptance of God that he wants to continually give you more and more of. More. God gives more. God is not a stingy, mean God who sort of throws you a scrap and says, get on with, you know, live life by that. He is the most incredibly generous, kind being in the universe. God gives grace. More grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud. Now think about this. Pride. God resists proud people. But he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace and more grace. Grace is the forgiveness, acceptance, acceptance and benefits and blessings and favor of God. God gives more of it. But he doesn't give it to a group of people who are called or described as proud. Proud people, in fact, position themselves in a place whereby you're not going to get any more grace, friend. 
In fact, it says he opposes the proud. Oh, that's for the unbelievers. Stupid unbelievers. They're a bunch of proud, arrogant, you know. No, that's not the truth. Do you know, in church and in Christian lives, there is a spirit of pride that resides that robs so many Christians of the incredible grace and favor of God. What's a proud person? Well, Keith, you look like one to me. A proud person is someone who thinks they're a bit better than everybody else. A proud person is someone who thinks they're a bit smarter than everybody else. A proud person thinks that their ways are the best ways and everybody else don't really know. The world is full of pride. The world is in a mess because people think they're smarter than God. The church and sometimes people's lives are in a mess because they think they're smarter than God. Nah, it's not true. Couldn't be in a church. You know how I know that? Because I look in the mirror. Because I see at times when I think I'm smarter than God. Through my actions, I do things that he says aren't smart. And the spirit of pride, when I enter into making choices or decisions where this pride thing takes control, I then put myself in a position to be opposed by God. How dumb is that? Am I, you know, is it dumb? Amy, is it dumb? She flicked her eyes. That's a yes. You understand what I'm saying to you? God wants success for 2021. But friend, he wants you to get yourself out of positioning yourself in a place called pride, thinking you're smarter than him, thinking you're smarter than everybody else, and humbling yourself in his presence. See, why do we come to church? Because you're going to hear a darn good message. It's probably down here. We come to church because we are humbling our lives and realizing that we don't know it all and that we need more of him in our lives. And we come to church to worship, to bend the knee. Amen. Amen. Joe, I didn't hear that. That was a thumb. We had a flick of the eyes and a thumb. We're winning. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, more grace, to the humble. What does the word humble mean? Basically, it means to lower oneself. So it's saying, when you think of God, are praying, or in your mind, that you have a deep conviction, faith is a deep conviction, that you bend the knee, and you submit your life to Him. You submit your decisions to him. Humility. In verse 7, 7, you go to heaven, sorry. Therefore, submit. The word submit is the ability to bend your knee to humble yourself to God. See, if you don't submit your ways or bend your knee to God in your decision making, you are positioning pride, you're removing yourself away from the great blessings God has for your lives. In fact, the bottom bit says, 
resist the devil. I'll tell you why. The devil is connected to pride. He fell in the garden. He fell, sorry, before creation because he thought he was smarter than God. So his kingdom is built on a spirit of pride and he loves to lure people and particularly Christians because he wants to rob you of whatever his plan is for your life. And he wants you to bring in, he wants to bring in a spirit of pride in you that you resist God, you don't submit your life to his ways. Who's behind you thinking you're smarter than God? Number one, you're dumb. Number two, it's the devil tricking you. Amen? Feed the preacher a bit. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, resist pride, because you're resisting the devil. You know, sometimes we go to prayer meetings, devil, I resist you, rah, 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 and good, go for it. Then we go off and we live our lives the way we want. And it's like, ah, faith is not in word only, but in action, James tells us. Resisting the devil is not doing it his way. Resisting the devil, because it says, humble yourself, bend the knee. Humility, to humble, to make yourself lower, to step down from the throne and put someone else there. To place God above yourself, Bending your knee to him. Would you like at the end of 2021 for people to say of you that God opposed you or to live in that, do this 360 days, whatever's left, in a position where you have allowed yourself to oppose God? Can I have an amen? Put your hand up if that's you. Nobody? Well, good. We're all smart. If you would like, rather at the end of 21, to have more grace, to have more favor, to have more of his enabling, to have more of his acceptance. A lot of Christians don't even accept themselves because they haven't submitted to God. Too many people live under this thing of low self-worth and low self-acceptance. And I'm telling you that the root of it is the ugly dude there, the devil. Learning to submit your life to his truths gives you the greatest acceptance that you will ever get on the planet. That was, that was not even in the notes, but it's all good. How many disciples do we have here today? Two. Excellent. Three, four. How many disciples? A few of you. A lot of you. What's a disciple? I'll tell you, I'll give you a definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone who lives their life their own way and thinks they're smarter than God and uh, doesn't walk his ways. No, it's not. A disciple is basically a follower of the teachings of Jesus or a follower of the way. That's what the early church was called, a follower of the way. If you are a disciple, you are a follower of the way. So think about this. So we follow the way, we follow Jesus' words, but we also follow his actions because actions speak louder than words. 
faith in James says faith without works is dead. So if you want to see some true faith in someone, you can hear people pipe and say a whole lot of stuff, but it's the actions that speak louder than the words because faith without works is dead. And James said, you show me your faith and I will show you my faith through what I do. So if you are a Christian who is a follower of Jesus, your actions should therefore um, acknowledge uh, what he says and be outworked in your life. Do you understand? Faith with works is the Christian message. You are a disciple, so you follow the ways of Jesus. Now, can we put up Philippians chapter 2, 7 through to 9. Success, God's way, hard work. Success, God ways, is working smart with the right information, the right knowledge. Success, God's way, is through a thing called humility. The basis of humility for the Christian begins with bending your knee to God and his ways. Okay, you with me? We are disciples, we are to follow what Jesus did. Philippians 2, 7 through to 9, speaking of Jesus. He made himself nothing. The creator of the universe made himself nothing, not something. He didn't turn up on the scene and say, well, give me a throne. I'm the creator. You know, you know, get on your knees and give me all your money and, you know, whatever. He came making himself nothing. And some versions says of no reputation. Being made, oh, sorry, Verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a a servant. Oh, God became a servant. Very interesting. We are disciples. We follow the way. We don't follow that way. We follow the way of Jesus. Jesus came making himself a servant. So if you are a Christian and you have faith, faith that is not dead, faith that is outworked in your life, there is an aspect of this thing called being a servant. Because Jesus was a servant, because he came down from heaven as a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he put himself on a big throne and said how proud he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. Think about it. He's with the Father at creation. They're doing the deal. They made the universes. Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit get together. And they go, you know what? Look at this earth. It's in trouble. What are we going to do? Jesus obeys the Father. And he says, you know what? I'm going to head down to earth. I'm going to come as a baby. I'm going to come as a man. I'm not going to come as God. I'm going to bend my knee and humble myself. You know. And I will come in a spirit of humility and of servanthood. To those I created. So if you are a Christian and you want success in your life and you are really a true disciple and you are somebody who is not just in words but rather there is proof of your faith in the following of Jesus that there should be a sense of humility, there should be humility about your life and there also should be this aspect of servanthood. Am I making sense? Jesus made himself a servant. Proverbs 22 verse 4 in the Living 
uh, New Living Translation, which you don't, you don't have, Travis, I don't think, or do you? Says, true humility. Remember, Jesus is the truth. God's ways are higher than the ways of man. And he's describing not what the world calls humility, but he's describing what the heavenly form of humi- humility is, of, of true humility. True humility is the fear of the Lord which leads to riches, honour and long life. There is a true humility and a false humility. When you work with the wrong information and you are a believer and you you go that way and it's the wrong way instead of the true way, you're going to not get to where you need to go as a believer. Jesus came, humbled himself, and outworked a spirit of, hum- of, of humility and um, servanthood. You, you with me? So I want you to ask yourself a question. Close your eyes. Because then I can throw something at you. Close your eyes. I want you to envision your faith. Is there truly outworked in your life a spirit of humility? How often do you bend your knee to him and your choices and the way you live your life? Because faith without works. And secondly, is there actually evidence of servanthood in your life? Is there evidence that you serve others for no return? Is there evidence that Jesus and his words are real because you serve other people in some shape or form in some capacity? Because true greatness has in it a spirit of servanthood. You know, a lot of businesses in the world crush people and they use people as fodder and they are, people are consumables on their journey to achieve the goal. But the kingdom of heaven is not that. The kingdom of heaven is in fact where people bend the knee and serve others. It says of Jesus, because he did those two things, that it says God highly exalted him. Highly exalted him. And gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You see, God isn't telling you to do something he hasn't first done. God came to show a way whereby you bend your knee to him, You bend your knee to his ways and you serve others around you. And see, he exalts that spirit in a person. Now, it says this. It says it in um, the James one, because there is a pattern of God. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Think about God lifting you up versus you lifting yourself up. God lifts you up. Think about Jesus as the servant. It says God lifted Jesus up. See, if you want to live success, if you want to be lifted up, now think about when God lifts you up. The creator of the universe opens doors no man can shut and shuts the doors no man can open. And when he puts you in a position... He will protect you in lifting you up. But when you put yourself there, you've got to be the one that looks after yourself. And that's where all the ugly behavior comes. Am I making sense? Am I boring you? Steps 
to success. You know, when I serve my wife, she likes me. A little bit. A little bit. When I serve my wife, she gives me a favour in lots of ways, which I'm not going to go any further. But when I'm an arrogant sod and I try to tell her and control her and be the boss, not good. See, the principle is a heavenly principle. When I serve those around me as a pastor, I get loyalty and I get favor and acceptance and I get a whole lot of people that back me doing what I'm doing. But when I'm an arrogant sod and in a spirit of pride and I try to bully people, the opposite occurs. Friends, I encourage you for this year, do your best, work hard at, with the right information, submitting your life, bending your need to Him. Look for opportunities, not to promote you, but to promote others and lift others up and serve them. If we as a church, we are getting favor in this town because we've been serving our community and there is a lot going on where we are getting favor because God is lifting us up in this town because we are serving our, our town. He lifts up humility and servanthood. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm just a man. You are the creator of the universe. Everybody that is here, Lord, needs to bend their knee to you. And whatever area, Father, I pray for a revelation of truth because your word says truth sets us free. I pray, Lord, for that revelation of the spirit of humility of bending to you. Because you're the creator and you're smarter. And I pray also, Lord, for the spirit of the servant heart. That each person that is here and those that are listening listening to the stream would look for the opportunities to serve those around them. And God, your word is true because I have a deep conviction that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that, Lord, when we follow your principles, you are the one that lifts us up. You are the one that exalts us. You are the one that pours great favor and blessing on our lives. And that, Lord, there is an acceptance that comes that the world cannot steal away. I pray and prophesy that over each person in Jesus' name. Amen.